uh, the landscape of American Christianity is changing, uh, especially in the United States. And by every measurable statistic, church attendance in America is on the downside. It's declining. There's individual churches that are growing, but the overall trend shows major decline. Not only has church attendance declined, uh, but fewer people in the United States identify as Christian or even nominally connected to Christianity. The fastest growing segment in religion or religious segment in America is the nons. They are non-conforming. They're, they're the people, one in eight would say, I am connected to no particular religion at all. Now, the institution of church is not alone in its decline. Now, I don't know if you've, you know this, but institutions in general are in decline. As a, as, a, as a rule, there's just a lack of trust. There's an anti-institutional bias among, uh, among people towards institutions, whether it's government or media. I'm sure you have your favorite news outlet and your least favorite news outlet. So there's media bias, there's government, uh, uh, there's bias against big business, unions, and, and church. And people in general, they just don't trust institutions these days. And unfortunately, many U.S. churches share this problem, and it's their own making. I think of the Roman Catholic Church scandal a few years ago, or I think of Hillsong, or I think of the one that just happened a few days ago. It's like there's, there's a reason people don't trust institutions, because sometimes they're not working for us. And some outsiders who look in at the church, they would say, why would I be involved in a church, or why would I identify as Christian when you are hypocrites? You're no different than anybody else. Now, the good news, the good news is, on the other hand, global Christianity is growing tremendously. I'm not sure if you knew that, but global Christianity is on the rise. In many places, Christianity is growing faster than the population. This is especially true in sub-Saharan Africa and certain parts of Asia. So what we see, what we have is this tale of two Christianities. On the one hand, it's in decline in the United States and certain Western countries, parts of Western Europe, but in other parts of the world, it's on the rise. It just can't stop growing. And what we can learn from this, of what's happening in Sub-Saharan Africa and parts of Asia, is that the Holy Spirit is on the move in a way we've never seen before. The Holy Spirit is leading people to himself and building the church and doing something amazing. And it's not because of the great techniques in these places. It's because the Holy Spirit has decided that he wants to do something there. And while we've seen some strange trends in the United States, hope is not lost. There are signs of life. And what we believe in this church and what we and many churches believe is that we too can have a spirit-filled community, that God can do something among us that we couldn't do for ourselves. And what we learn is that once in a while, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit creates a community that is so infectious, that it so, it so contrasts the larger culture, and it even contrasts Christian subculture. When, when it happens, it becomes a beautiful thing. It doesn't become something that we invented. It becomes something that the Spirit of God built among us. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that you were created for community. That's the name of the series. 
but specifically, you were made for spirit-filled community. And spirit-filled community sets us apart. It doesn't make us better, but it sets us apart. Lupita just read in Acts chapter 2, she read this. She read, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now listen for the parts where you see miracles and Holy Spirit stuff. Uh, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Okay, there's a sign of the Holy Spirit. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, um, if, if you don't know this, last week I devoted the entire teaching on the apostles' teaching into fellowship, why Christian fellowship is unique and how each of us were wired for community, which means that we were sharing. We are called to share with one another. To be a Christian is more than just sharing common beliefs. It's sharing our lives with one another. And there is great power in community when we share life and do it together. Now, if you haven't had a chance to hear that, you can head over to our website and check out our podcast. But today, what I want to do is I want to focus on a different part of this. Today, I want to talk about the second dimension in these verses, and that is the dimension of the Spirit-filled community. You were created for community. I was created for community. But more accurately, we were created for Spirit-filled community. So what difference? What difference does the Holy Spirit make in a community? Well, first, look at Acts 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And the first thing I want us to see, if you're taking notes, the first thing we need to see is the church was encouraged by each other, but how? They were encouraged by each other. It was the Spirit at work in them. What we see is that they were refreshed at the deepest parts of their soul. They were refreshed at the deepest parts of their souls. Let me ask you a personal question. Do you ever feel burned out? If you're middle-aged and you have strands of salt and pepper hair, I bet your answer is yes. If you're young and the future, I will never be stopped. Okay, good for you. Give it a few years. And some of you have gray hair, but you're dyeing it blonde or brown. Or... I'm gonna, I need to move on from that point. But have, you, have you ever been tired? Have you ever gotten burned out? Have you ever been burned out on church? Have you ever been burned out on religious activities? Have you ever been burned out by just hanging out with friends too much? I get it. And what I want to suggest is that no amount of activity, no amount of human activity that we put into church, that we put into life, or we put into exercising our bodies, or going to work, or going out uh, for drinks with friends at the end of the workday, can ever replace the energy that comes from the Holy Spirit. When we simply come before God, and He fills us, He refills us, and we allow Him to speak to us in a time of worship, and He fills us with what we need. And by worship, I'm not just referring to music, although it does include music. I'm talking about public and private worship. What we just experienced was public worship. And uh, what we're also wanting to talk about is private worship. So it includes songs, but it also refers to spending time in prayer, 
and spending time being grateful before God. And that includes the reading of scriptures and private prayer. That is a different type of worship. But in both types of worship and prayer, a supernatural transaction takes place. Okay? This is not you just trying to feel better and I'll hang out with friends to feel better. Something happens at a supernatural level where we are renewed at the deepest part of our soul. In fact, no amount of socializing, no amount of activity, no amount of hanging out, including with Christians, like if you're a Christian and you hang out with other Christians, none of that can replace what only worshiping God can give us. And it's very fact that we can get so caught up in fellowship with one another or community with other people, lots of things to do in a busy city like Los Angeles, that we can lose sight of Jesus in the process. And here's how I know. One of the reasons that God created community is so that we could be refreshed from worship, and, and, we, and that would happen through worship and prayer. And what we discover is that as we learn to worship, as we give ourselves to the worship of God, to opening our hearts in worship, both publicly and privately, when you are alone, your life will begin to look different. It might be strange to outsiders looking in. It might not look like something they would expect. But I'm telling you, refreshment, refilling, it doesn't come from doubling down by just saying, I need to focus on my own issues. I'm feeling stressed. I got to focus more on it. I got to work harder. True refreshment comes from God. And it comes when we take our eyes off of ourselves and our problems and we focus on Him. Something in that process, something supernatural transpires. Have you ever wondered why so much was happening in the early church? I mean, you can't go a page without seeing something incredible happen in the early church after Jesus ascended into heaven. You, you want to know why so much was happening? Why so many people were converted? When we look at the book of Acts, we see that the early church was constantly praying. They didn't stop praying. They were praying for refreshment from the power of God. They were praying for open doors for the gospel. They were praying for healing. They were praying for direction. God, tell us which way to go. What do you want us to do? And the Apostle Paul, he can hardly write a letter to somebody in the New Testament without saying, oh, by the way, I've been praying for you. Why was there so much life in the early church? It was because the early church was directed by the Holy Spirit to pray. And everywhere we look in the scriptures, it's obvious Jesus prayed. The early disciples frequently spent time in prayer. And as a result, they were refreshed. They were filled. You want to know why I think the American church doesn't look like the book of Acts? I have an inkling it has something to do with our lack of prayer. We are not tied to the Spirit's power. And if you want to see things happen in this church or other churches across Los Angeles, you and I have to commit ourselves to prayer. This is the way that Jesus invented for us. In our community group on Thursday, this is why we take time to pray with each other every week. And we pray when times are good. 
We pray when times are bad. We pray when we feel like it. We pray when we don't feel like it. Spending time communicating with God is essential if you want to be refreshed and if we want to see God work in our life. Does this make sense? All right, great. Number two, um, we also see that a Holy Spirit-filled community depends on God. We depend on God. We see this in Acts uh, 2, verses 43. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. Now, I read a lot, and I read uh, from a lot of experts who are so-called experts in church stuff. I know about what's supposed to be the latest and greatest that's going to help make the church great again. Maybe put it on a hat. Make Pack City great again. Just make it red. Nope. Don't do it? Okay. The board has not given me approval to make red hats and say make Pack City great again. Okay. And, that, you know, again, I'm not opposed to marketing. We love mar- marketing. great. Marketing is neither good nor bad, right? I mean, there's bad marketing. <laughs> uh, there's all kinds of things that, you know, we should be opposed to. But I'm not opposed to marketing. I'm not opposed to technology. I'm not opposed to getting our message out there by using things like social media. We have an Instagram account. It's all right. Pretty good. However, I will always be opposed upon relying on human technique and technology that would replace our dependence upon God. We never, as a community, want to do that. We don't want to do that as a community uh, at Pax City, and I don't want to do it as an individual, and I don't want that for you. We don't want to replace the power of God for the latest and the greatest techniques. The early church drew in people because they had a stellar Google ad campaign. No, the early church drew in people because they bought TV spots during the Super Bowl. No, the early church brought in and drew in people, attracted people, attracted people because the early church saw miracles, things that they could not have manufactured on their own. Everyone else in society had technology. Everyone else in society has been marketed to death, but everyone in society has not seen miracles. Miracles are not something that the apostles did just a long time ago. Miracles are a gift that are given to the church today. You are in a school called Roosevelt, which is named after a president at 10 in the morning. What are you doing here? (laughs) You're here because you're hoping God does something, that God would stir something in you and me, that God would show up. And if I know anything about you, you know that Los Angeles doesn't need another cool church. There are lots of cool churches, and they got great smoke machines and better donuts, and, like, the lasers are everywhere. And, like, they have really cool, they have way co- the pastors have way cooler shoes. Preachers with sneakers, you can look it up. And my shoes are okay. My shoes are meant to not get in the way. You know, but sometimes, you know, they have the fancy shoes. You know, L.A., and they're great. And they're, they love Jesus and all that. But, but L.A. doesn't need another cool church. What does it need? It doesn't need, a, it doesn't even need a slightly more successful you. Although I do hope you get very rich very soon. 
but it doesn't need a more successful you. If it needs anything, it needs you, the church, full of miracles. As I've gotten to know some of you over the year, I've heard some amazing, over, over the past like five years, I've gotten to hear some amazing stories. I've heard stories about how God has healed a loved one in your life, uh, how God has healed you. I've heard stories about how some of you were completely broken from addiction, and God came to you in your lowest moment, and he pulled you out of that addiction, and you are not addicted anymore, and you are free. And you go, yeah, I had to make some choices along the way, but really it was the power of God that lifted me on it. And now you're clean and you're sober. And you know it was God who worked in you and through you to bring you through. I've heard stories about how God has brought tremendous healing and hope in, uh, in the aftermath of a broken relationship where things seemed irreconcilable, but there was healing and wholeness that came out of that. And I'm telling you, it, I feel like I have been a Christian for a long time. I, I am getting old. And there's things that I don't want to do anymore. In your 20s, you want to do everything. In your 30s, there's a few things you don't want to do. In your 40s, there's still a few things you want to do. And in your 50s, you want to do nothing. <laughs> okay? And there's one thing, and I'm sure you're the same. There's one thing that I never get tired of. Watching miracles happen and watching God's spirit do something that we just could not scientifically explain or do ourselves. It never gets old. I continue to be completely blown away by the generosity of God to humans to bring his grace and his love to people through uh, supernatural things. And we've seen that. We've been the witness of that here and we are the witness of that globally. That the Spirit of God is pouring himself out, uh, demonstrating supernatural things. Why? So that it can be fancy and fun like a circus? No, because he wants to show people his love. Listen, the future of the church in America is up to you. It's up to you. And the future of Pax City, this church, is up to you. Why? Because church is not a service. Church is not a building. Church is a people. And God works through people. And if you, like me, if we want our church to look different than the rest of society, if we want our church to be impactful and exciting, one of the ways we can do that, one of the ways we can make a difference, is it takes you and me starting to believe the promise that God wants to do miracles through you. Not just me, not just leadership, not just that one guy with a fancy all one color suit on TV that whacks people really hard. Not just that. That he has democratized the power of the Spirit to work through you. Not so that you can be special and be more popular and make more money and all those things, but because he wants to show other people that he loves them through you. That's why he often demonstrates supernatural power or miracles. So they go, you know what? I am loved. I am loved by God, and I, there's no way I can explain this. And if you want this, I can tell you how to start performing miracles. You want to know the secret? You start praying. You start praying, God, help me to deliver miracles. Make like a six-month commitment to pray. 
for miracles. God, use me to deliver miracles to someone else's life, into someone else's life. And don't stop praying until it happens. And what we find is people that take that risk start to see a trickle, start to see more and more supernatural things that cannot be explained. If you want to see the supernatural, you have to ask for it, and then you have to take risks for it. And if you do this, I will be right next to you the whole time cheering you on because I promise you it never gets old. One of the things that marked the early church was, hey, did you hear someone got healed? Hey, did you hear that person with the leg thing? They don't have a leg thing. It's one of the things we need. Finally, finally, a spirit-filled community demonstrates good news. You know, there is so much bad news. Uh, just scroll through your phone. Not now. You don't have good signal in here. Plus, I want you listening. <laughs> Trust me. How much bad news did you see before you came here? And how much bad news will you see after this? There's a lot of bad news. Everywhere from, you know, the Middle East to, you know, the person down the street. It's bad. And it's not just bad on a societal level, on an American level, on a global level. It's bad uh, around the people that we live around. I mean, people live with personal bad news. There's the bad news of a divorce or an arrangement with an ex that isn't working out. There's news about romantic breakups. There's bad news about job losses, economy stuff. There's bad news about the surprise tumor. There's so much bad news. And the difference here is that the Holy Spirit, the difference that the Holy Spirit makes is that he creates good news people, a people who believe in their hearts that there's still a reason to hope. Even though there's bad news, there's still a reason to believe. Listen, the early church was not perfect. The church now isn't perfect. That's not what made it a different society. That's not what made it a different community. The early church was not without sin. Which, is light, which means life turned in on itself, making bad choices for others and for yourself. The early church was a community of hope because their sins were forgiven. The early church was not without divisions. The early church was a church that practiced reconciliation despite their divisions. And the early church was not without suffering, or without a cross, the early church was a church that was able to embrace suffering and embrace the cross because it had also embraced the resurrection of Jesus. And it was from this warm center, this thing that stirred in the death and the resurrection of Jesus that propelled out and started the early church. And it started to transform the rest of society. The truth that gripped the early church was so compelling. The fellowship was so loving. The prayers were so powerful. The worship was so attractive. And the miracles were so awe-inspiring that it became infectious. 
to the outside. People that had no concept of who Jesus was started to look in and say, I want that. I think they're in touch with somebody. And that's what it says in verse 47. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. God, by the Holy Spirit, created a vortex that pulled people into the church. And from the people of the church went out as they went out, and they literally changed the entire world as we know it. Do you want that? Do you want that for this room? And do you want that maybe for your life? Do you want your life to be attractive? Do you want your life to stand for something? Do you want your life to be in contrast to the rest of a society that can sometimes be dark and pessimistic and cynical and broken and angry and all the things that we see? And do you want to be a leader who is worth following? Again, here's what I know to be true for you. L.A. doesn't need you to have a little bit better technique. L.A. needs you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit because that is the thing that will make your life attractive. And that's the thing that will mark your life and be different than other lives. Not better, but different. Empowered everywhere we go. A sense of miracles, a sense of empowerment, a sense of purpose in everything we touch and everything we do. And when we start to do this, when we start this, I promise you, we will begin to see something happen in our city. It's just the way it works. It's the way it's always worked. Be why? Because you were created for spirit-filled community. Amen? Why don't we all stand?